This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I am your host, Sheldon Primus. This is the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant. In this episode, I'm actually going to break it down to three just basic things that you would need to know if, just to help you with your consulting business. You can kind of think of these three things as the three things that will help you start. There's many things that could get you into business. There's many things you could do to start your business. But these three things will always be reoccurring. These things are always going to keep coming back. And it's going to be the cornerstone of your business. If you don't know where to start or you haven't even considered being a consultant yet, think of these three things as being the entry point. What can you do? How can you get there? So as always, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you have not yet, go on and subscribe to this podcast so that you could get any notifications of when I come out and do a new one. Generally, it's on Mondays, but from time to time, I have to do it on a different day of the week because I am still an active safety consultant, and I'm also a traveler with me and my wife, my little Yorkie Poo, and that's a Yorkie and a Poodle mix, uh, Yorkie Poo Romeo. You can follow our travels at Instagram, and all you have to do on your Instagram is go to beyondboundaries.world beyondboundaries.world on your Instagram and you get to see us. So from time to time, my travel makes it where I can't be right on time, right on Mondays. I generally try to. However, I'm here today, right? So what you could do then is go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. When I come out with a new one, you're going to get notified. You're going to get a little text notification or some notification on wherever you listen to the podcast. And can you please help me in a little bit of a way, which is supporting the podcast through going to the iTunes or wherever you're listening to and going ahead and leaving a comment, letting people know what you think of the Safety Consultant podcast, like it. I don't know if you could thumb up it. If you can, go for it. Generally speaking, that's how all these algorithms work, where it's social proof. So once you say that you like it, then it's going to point out to someone else, hey, you could like this too. So that will really help me. That's one of those things that I look forward to doing. It's just being able to help people who especially want to get into this field and don't know how to, how to break away from the man, as uh, some people may say, and become their own boss. That's what I'm here to do. So I am going to go ahead and I'm going to go into the three steps the three things that you could do compliance related to get your business started. So I'll be back right after this message. Hello, this is Sheldon Primus, the host of Safety Consultant Podcast. And I'm going to be doing a demystifying OSHA compliance webinar. Whether you're a small business or a Fortune 500 company, OSHA is aggressively adding compliance officers to help inspect more businesses across America. You'll learn how to build OSHA compliance training, written programs, know what to look for in an inspection. You also get a good understanding of the future of OSHA. How would you comply with the new Joe Biden era agency? Book your ticket today, May 24th from 9 a.m. Eastern Time to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Go to PrimusWebinar.com 
and you could join this event. Welcome back to the podcast. And I just want to get a little groundwork on the things I'm going to uh, mention to you regarding compliance services. So here's some groundwork, and I'm you know going right in it because we already did our interview or intro, right? So here's some of the things I was thinking about as a, a groundwork. The episode today is going to be talking about compliance activity, and compliance means that you're going to make sure that your organization is not in hot water with whoever the regulator is. In this case, it'll be OSHA compliance because they are the Occupational and Safety Health Administration, and as a safety consultant, they're the ones that I deal with the most. I do deal with EPA and a few other things from time to time because I started out with environmental before I got into safety and health. See, little known fact about me, I was an environmental guy first, and then I got into occupational safety and health when I wanted to grow my business. But we are going to be talking about compliance activity that is going to keep that uh, employer out of hot, war- hot water so that they won't get fined. They won't end up getting sanctioned in any way. Now, this will go across many countries, not just the U.S. I'll be talking about OSHA specifically, but whatever country you're in, if you do have a regulatory body for occupational safety and health, whatever the name would be, this is the same idea. And chances are they have the same type of need. However, if you want to, you could start looking at some more needs that they have that you could fulfill. That's great. But we're talking right about compliance now and not talking about culture yet. When I speak of the term culture, I'm talking about safety culture. And the safety culture is reminiscent of when an organization is so far behind, or I should say above, compliance activity, they don't have to worry about are they following the rules with the regulatory agency. That's like, you know, last last year's news. (laughs) Right now they're dealing with how can we make our system so safe that it goes beyond the compliance and the regulatory uh, agencies and we get our workers involved, we get management support, we get everything that we need to ensure that we are going to uh, do our activities with low risk in mind. That's honestly what it is. So we're going to talk about compliance things and not culture things for these uh, first uh, few minutes. I might end up uh, touching on culture things later, but honestly, if I don't, don't worry about it. Compliance is where we are because I'm going to help you start your business and uh, or at least go back to basics with your business if you already started. So compliance activities will be something they're regulated by, and when I say they, I mean your client, the employer. And this regulation is going to go for pretty much the length of the time that they're in business. Sometimes they may need you, sometimes they won't. But with these three services, you can keep getting new clients and get your foot in the door, and then you can offer other services later. So these are mostly foot-in-the-door things or repeat business things. That's uh, that's what we're going to cover over now, right now. So I'm going to start with the first of the three compliance activities that you should be thinking of that you could make into a business or a service. Number one is written programs. So written programs are very important 
Uh, these are the things that will necessitate that the, there is some sort of outline or detail for activities that the workers will take on. So if you're going to say this uh, workforce does permit required confined space entry, then you're going to offer a service that is for permit required confined space entry programs. So that means for your part of your service, you're going to end up uh, just going through their documents and if you can send them pictures, have them send you pictures, excuse me, so you can see what an entry looks like to them, uh, interview some workers, and use a guidance from your regulatory body. Just do a search for permit required confined space, whatever regulatory body you have for your country. And then now you can see an outline of what their actual written programs will require. So that's one of the easiest things to, to get your foot in the water, in the water uh, for your own business. So what you're going to end up doing is you're going to look to see how many programs they need. So if they need many programs, that's good for you because now you're going to have uh, business after business after business creating programs for them. Not all companies will need this. Some companies will already have programs. So what you could do is you could review one program. So let's say, for instance, you're a specialist in confined space, like my example. So then you could offer, hey, let me review your confined space entry program for free. And now when you go through it, if you find something wrong or you find something that's not, uh, that is not completely right, <laughs> let's say that way, or a deficiency, then you could offer the service to fix it. So whatever it is, uh, you could say, well, this is really old. You need an updated version or, uh, this, well, let's say it's their gas detectors. You guys don't even use this gas detector before and no one's updated this program. Chances are you have many programs out there that haven't been updated. And then you could pitch that. How are you going to charge for this is going to be up to you. This is what I've seen. Uh, I've done different ways, but this is what I've seen works really well with charging for written programs. Look for the programs that need to be changed and if it's a lot of programs that you don't the, the customer may be thinking oh man it's going to cost me a lot to do this well offer them an hourly rate on this one and I don't always do hourly rates and I honestly don't like hourly rates you could listen to podcast pass and you know that's not I'm not a fan of that but what you could do is say well this is going to cost you $60 an hour if you're just starting out and it's going to be roughly three hour minimum so you're going to tell them $60 an hour in this example you set your own rates and then you're going to say it's a three hour minimum for this one if it's going to be more than three hours let them know ahead of time 
Alright? Don't sneak in on them and let them know that all of a sudden you're getting a bill for five hours when you set three hour minimum. So let them know ahead of time, if I feel like I'm about to get close to the three hour mark, I will let you know for approval sake. So that they know ahead of time that you're not gonna just get over on them on any way, that you're gonna be able to uh, be able to um, get proof, well not proof, approval. That's the better way of saying it. You're going to get approval before you spend any more money or further money. So they'll understand that. Uh, and that's going to be you know, fair for them. It's the right thing to do. So three-hour minimum and whatever your price is. And then at that, then maybe we can stop the hourly thing. <laughs> so three hours minimum, uh, just so that they know a kind of a range. And uh, you give them your price, let them know how long it's going to take. Uh, you could use a template in some cases, some cases you can't. But if you're using a template, go through that thing with a fine tooth comb and make sure that you don't have a past client's information on a current client's program. That won't be good. So I'm going to tell you at a dime, uh, check that stuff out. That's not fun. All right, number two compliance service that you could provide. This one is going to be an audit. In some cases, you won't get your foot in the door with an audit unless there's a driver that will do it. And the driver in most cases for audits will be either OSHA showed up or uh, their uh, insurance company said, hey, OSHA showed up and uh, this individual needs some help. And if you partner with an insurance company, you could go on behalf of the insurance company and get paid through the insurance company. Or the other side of it would be this, where uh, they are aware that there's been a lot of activity for OSHA in their area or in their uh, industry, and they want to get ready. Another thing for audits could be it's for the insurance company itself. So you're going to be doing an insurance company type audit. So when the insurance company comes in, this person would have already have had a specialist go through and found some of the areas that they could tighten up. So when the insurance uh, agency comes, they look that much good or that much better. I can't say gooder. <laughs> That's not going to work that much better. So therefore, the premiums could possibly be the same or lower. That's the idea behind that one. But when you get into an audit, now you're thinking a few different things. You're thinking how large of a company is it? How, what kind of interaction am I going to see? Uh, how many sites do I need to look at so I could get a good representative sample? And then, do you work a full eight-hour day? Do you work a six-hour day? Are you going to get paid for lunch? What's your lunch going to be? That's all going to go into the proposal. And I'll just invite you to go through my my uh, list of podcasts. And I have a few out there with how to write a proposal and the art of a proposal. But that's the consideration you're going to be thinking of is you know, what are some of the things that is gonna that I'm going to need to do in order for me to uh, get this job done and still make out where there's a profit to it so you're not breaking even or you're not losing money that's consideration is going to be hours and you're not going to charge them by the hour but you're going to have some consideration that says these are the hours that your audit will be and this is the estimated days it will take 
I would suggest for uh, a program like an audit that you get 50% up front and that's going to give you some money to get what you need to do the activity of the audit and then when you submit your report not when they approve anything when you submit your report because some people are slackers it'll take them forever to approve things when you submit your report at that time that is when you're going to say that you're uh, that it is complete and you are going to get paid. So 50% at the onset, and then the other 50% when you finish your your recommendations and you hand it to them at that final meeting is when you get paid. So put that into the contract, put that into the proposal so that that uh, expectation is there. Make sure that when you are physically there, uh, if you do choose to do coaching, because that is something you could say, hey, a written uh, program or to say a written recommendation is not, uh, it will cost you extra. However, I will do coaching while I'm here. You could do that as well so that you could uh, still get some, uh, some different tier, let's say that way, a different tier for service. But that's a big one. When you do audits, though, you're going to really go through the facility. You're going to get a good chance to talk to workers. You should interview them as well. Uh, you want to make sure that while you're there uh, and you're going to see the operations in action, that you are going to give it your all. You're going to look top down, side to side, and reference things. Take pictures, take videos, reference what you see so that if you may not know something offhand, Hand, that you could talk to someone and send them pictures and say, hey, I know you're more the specialist on this. I know something's wrong by regulatory issues, but I don't know exactly what I'm seeing here. Help me out. I do that all the time with electrical. Because electrical, I'm, I'm aware of the, you know, for OSHA, there's uh, a lot of electrical standards, but the ones that I deal with the most is subpart S in general industry, subpart K in construction. I know enough to say that, man, this is a violation of this part of the standard, but I can't tell them in my recommendation, this is what you should do better because I may not be just familiar with everything that uh, the National Electrical Code would be or the National Fire Protection Agency, uh, excuse me, National Fire Protection Association Code would be. I may not know that. So therefore, I will tell them, hey, well, I actually won't tell them. They'll get, <laughs> they'll get the final uh, copy, but I'll consult with someone who I know that knows that information and just say, hey, uh, can you help me on this one? And just pay them for their time for, for helping you out. So that's all going to be part of your, your process there, your thinking. So service number one is going to be written programs. Service number two is going to be uh, doing some sort of audit or inspection at their facility, at their sites, and your considerations or your time that it takes. Uh, are you going to do a full day? Are you going to do a partial day? How many days is it? Uh, your lunch period? What is the lunch period? If you got to travel, I forgot about this one. Good thing I remembered and I was doing my review. If you got to travel, then at what distance does it take for you to stay someplace overnight? Uh, are they paying for your gas or not? That's all the stuff that goes into that proposal so that you could uh, make sure you're not losing money because you got to pay for your insurance, you got to pay for you know, mileage, you got to pay for tolls. 
you got to pay for your lunch. All those things must be in consideration for that uh, job, and you're putting that in the, the proposal. Then the last thing that I'm going to put for compliance base for you guys will be training. And some of these things will piggyback off the, uh, off of each other. But training in and of itself is a huge compliance issue for OSHA. So I'm pretty sure that it's probably going to be a big thing for other uh, countries and entities. So what you're going to do is you got to hone your compliance training skills. You're going to have to figure out what needs to be uh, trained, what makes a compliance training. So you're going to have to go back to the regulator, uh, the regulatory agency and look at what that regulator says as these things need to be uh, taught. Uh, OSHA, as the agency, they actually have a training resource page that will show you by standard if there is a training uh, that these are the things that you must train on and these are who are the, who are the people that needs to train and it's just you know, a whole bunch going on there. So you could find that out you now replicate what's required and then you offer that as a service. Delivery is also different. You could deliver this as a learning management system. You could deliver this in person. You could deliver this online. Uh, you could deliver it where it is uh, truly a face-to-face -face thing, hybrid, where some people are online, some people are physically there. That's all consideration for price. As far as pricing for training, it really depends. So here's my philosophy usually with training when someone calls and they say, hey, Sean, I need some training. All right, that's all I got. <laughs> I need training. Okay, so let's quantify that a little. How many people? What's the topic? <laughs> let's start with that. What's the topic? How many people? Uh, is this something where I'm going to end up having to submit paperwork for continuing education units or am I going to get someone OSHA cards out of this for their training? Now, when I'm thinking about those considerations, all that is also helping me uh, frame how much I'm going to charge. So generally speaking, uh, what you want to do, especially if it's a continuing education credit, look around and see what other people are charging for continuing education classes. Not that it's apples for apples for safety or not, it's just going to give you a price uh, range. So in some cases, some people may charge and a CU continuing education unit is 0.1. So every hour is going to be 0.1 CEUs. You can say contact time, which is time for time. But if you're talking about continuing education units, then for one hour, 0.1 CEUs. So what you can do is look for trainings and then see which trainings have 0.1 attached to it. How much is that agency charging and use that as your base. So for instance, if uh, someone's charging $15 per CEU and you're going to do a four hour class. So at that time, you're going to do like 15 times four. That's going to give you 120. Now, you know, per person, you're going to be charging $120 per person. And then that is going to go into your, your rate that you're going to give the client. Most clients are going to be looking for group rates. So you can start with your base rate. Let's say it's going to be once 20. And now I'm going to end up saying I'm going to give that to a three minimum up to 15. 
So if there's three people up to 15 people, they're going to get this rate. If you get more than 15, then I'm going to give you a discount. Maybe it's only going to be $100 per person. And if you have, you know, from 15 to 30, and now all of a sudden you got 32, then for every extra person, I'm going to give them maybe $90 for that. So you're giving them a benefit for, for packing the class. Uh, it's possible that you could also have clients who have a good relationship with with other people especially if they're like a city or a county or something else and you could open up the training to other people in the agency and now they could get more and more people into that base price so on the earlier end three dollar or three people up to 15 people you get paid the same if they only give you three people you get paid the same if they max it at 15 uh, but that's the range you're looking for that's the way to to kind of price this in the mindset behind it so that's the training side if you're going to do online training then that's a whole new discipline altogether as far as uh, learning management system you got to think about the price it takes for uh, your learning management system your uh, certificates because you definitely want to issue certificates so how much did that cost you we're also going to be thinking a few other things related to that as well so honestly there's a lot of considerations so that means you're going to have to be on your toes on this one. And uh, I would suggest getting as much detail as possible as to what the person is looking for, what type of training, and then the outcome of the training. Find out how quickly they need that training and then uh, make sure that they know uh, the, the range of people, the range of students per price. And that's a good way of doing it. All right, so there you have it. Three things for compliance. Uh, one, again, is a written program. Second one is going to be an audit. And the very last one will be training. You do those three things and you can start your safety consulting business right away. And if you've already started your safety consulting business, keep going back to those three things because you could get your business, keep going with business, get new clients that way. You should always be looking to get new clients or getting older clients back and, and seeing if you can work with them again. And chances are one of those three things will be the way to get back into the door so that you could keep your business going. So thank you so much for listening to me this week. And uh, next week, I'm going to just do my best to get Mondays. But again, if I'm not on Mondays, you will get something from me weekly. Uh, it depends on my travel schedule, depends on my training schedule, depends on my consulting schedule as to the time. But generally, it's going to be on Mondays. Uh, but you can get past that by subscribing. So go ahead, like I mentioned before, subscribe to the podcast. And if you are in America and you need some OSHA compliance help, I'm going to teach you how to understand OSHA. That's one of the biggest things that my students uh, always love for me is I break it down when it comes to OSHA. So I will be breaking it down for you May 24th from 9 a.m. Eastern Time to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, demystifying OSHA compliance. We're going to do this together. All right, gang. Go get them. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast or broadcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within the past hour are only examples. 
They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast or broadcast may be reproduced, stored within a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast or broadcast, Sheldon Primus.